prophet Habakkuk said at the end of his book, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Praise God for His faithfulness. He is always, always worthy of praise. Well, again, we thank you, everyone, for joining us, whether you're part of the Emmanuel family or you're just viewing online by chance. We don't think anything happens by chance. We believe God directed you here. So we are, uh, we're thankful that you've joined us via our webcasts, our podcast, however you're listening or viewing today. My name is Jim DiBiasso. I'm one of the elders here at Emmanuel, and I have the privilege of sharing the word with you for the next few minutes. But before we get into the word, just a couple of preliminary comments. Our nation, our entire world in these days have entered into a very different, challenging, and strange time. The COVID-19 virus has forced nearly all the populations of all the nations of the world to go into some measure of physical isolation. We here in Delaware are no different. We are taking the precautions that we need to take as a church to help to mitigate the spread of the virus. We love all of our people that are caring about their health. And so we've taken this measure to cancel all our activities for the time being, including our Sunday services. Particularly knowing that many of our folks, including myself, are in that high risk age bracket. The elders of Emmanuel will keep all of you who are members well informed. If things should change, schedules should change, or plans should change. But for the time being, we have the privilege of coming to you via the internet. This is one time where we can be thankful to God for the internet. Sometimes we're not so sure about that. We have for years offered our Sunday messages via the podcast, but now we have this new platform of video or streaming. We're a little late coming to this game, but we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. We know that it's not a substitute for gathering together. There's a dynamic that takes place when you gather as the family of God, as the people of God, that can't be matched through video. But we're also thankful that we have this platform with which to share worship and with which to share the Word of God. And so that's what we want to do this morning. My text for this morning comes from Matthew, the 14th chapter. If you'd like to turn there, I'm going to be reading verses 22 to 33. But before I read, let me just capsulize what happens in the previous verses of this 14th chapter. If you're in your Bible, you can see the headings of these passages. It begins by recounting 
the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, the forerunner of Jesus, the one who prepared the way for his ministry. Jesus' cousin, and the one who baptized Jesus, inaugurating his ministry. John was thrown into prison by Herod the Tetrarch because John called him out for having taken his brother's wife, and eventually it led to John's death. We see in verse 13 of the 14th chapter, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew privately, or withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus often would withdraw to pray in solitary places, but on occasion like this one, the people, enamored by his teachings, followed him. And so when he sees the crowds gathering out of the compassion of his heart, it says that he had compassion on them. He heals them. He ministers to them. He teaches them. And then ultimately, he feeds 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fishes through the miracle of multiplication. And so that brings us to the 22nd verse where it says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, the crowd that had gathered, which he had fed. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray for a moment, please. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement and strength that it brings. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here and your presence with all those who are viewing. And we pray, Father, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, by the word, bring strength and comfort and peace to all those who are hearing this message. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Most of us have had some kind of experience similar to that of the disciples in this passage of Scripture. We may, in fact, have had the exact same experience of being out on the water, whether a lake or the bay or the ocean, in a boat, when a storm rose up and buffeted that boat, the winds blow, the rain comes. Or 
We may have had the experience of driving down an icy road in a dark winter night in an unfamiliar place, not knowing where we're going. Or we've flown on an airplane where there's been turbulence. We can all relate some way or another to what the disciples encountered here. And in those times, the seconds seem like minutes and the minutes seem like hours, and we begin to wonder if we're ever going to come to a place of safety again. Will we ever experience calm again? Figuratively speaking, right now, the ship of humanity is in troubled waters, mm -hmm. uncharted and rough waters. We're sliding down black ice on the side of a mountain, not knowing where or when we'll stop. We're flying 500 miles an hour through the air through dark storm clouds that seem to be getting rougher every day. And even those of us who are believers can be tempted to fall into that abyss of fear. Last week, here at Emmanuel, Pastor Ryan shared from the writings of the Apostle Paul. The instruction that he gives us in that book is so valuable. In the book of Philippians, that is. And Ryan shared from the fourth chapter where it says that we can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. And today I want to continue in that same vein. But today instead looking at a biblical gospel narrative that supports the teaching that Paul gave in Philippians chapter 4. Because I don't think we can hear, especially in times like these, the strengthening and comforting words of God that point us to the truth, the truth that sets us free, free from fear, free from worry, free from anxiety. So let's look at these verses in Matthew's Gospel in the 14th beginning once again looking back to the 22nd verse. Again, Jesus says to the disciples to get into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee after he feeds the 5,000. It's an interesting choice of words that Matthew uses here, or choice of word, I should say. It says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He didn't say, I suggest you get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea of the lake and I'll meet you there. Whatever choice of words Jesus used, it was a command. He made them get into the boat. I think this communicates something. Understand this truth. God does not always stop calamity from coming into our lives. And sometimes He even sends us into it. That's a hard pill to swallow. But let's look at what happens here. Jesus has all foreknowledge. He is sovereign. He knew that when he told the disciples to get into the boat, that they were headed for rough waters. And yet he made them get in to start the trip to the other side of the lake. John's Gospel tells us 
that they were about three or four miles out when these winds began to buffet them and the waves began to hit the boat. Mark's Gospel tells us that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars. Now remember, Jesus is still on the shore. He's on the mountainside praying. It's nearly the middle of the night. And yet he saw them three or four miles out, straining at the oars. There were no telescopes back in the first century. There were no binoculars. Not that I know of. And even if there were, they would have been of little use in the middle of the night. What we have here is God view. Jesus, in his omniscience, in his deity, is able to see what's going out what's going on out in the middle of the lake. He knows the disciples are in trouble. He knew that they would be in trouble. In the last couple of weeks, many of us find ourselves quarantined. My youngest daughter and her family quarantined for the next two weeks. Many of us are finding it hard to get the groceries and the essentials that we need for everyday life. Some of us are wondering about our jobs. What does the future hold? And of course, we're all concerned about the health of our loved ones, our family, our church, and ourselves. The list of concerns is lengthy. Many of us are straining at the oars. Jesus sees us. He sees us. He knows. One of the hard questions that people who don't know God or follow Jesus or trust in Him, one of the hard questions they ask is, if there is a God, then why is there so much suffering in the earth? Or, if there is a God, why doesn't He stop? Fill in the blank. In our current situation, that blank would be the coronavirus. It's a challenging question. But the answers to those questions are partially revealed in the Scripture. And they have to do in part with the fact that we live in a fallen world that was subject to that fall because of sin and rebellion at the very beginning. Because man rebelled against God. The answer also has to do with the fact that God is God and He is sovereign. And, he don't, and we don't fully understand His ways or His thoughts because we have finite minds. The book of Isaiah tells us that very thing. His thoughts are above our thoughts and His ways are above our ways. But He's also a God who is near to the brokenhearted and the troubled. He's also a God who bowed low in taking on the humanity and the person of Jesus Christ and bore our sins so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to Him. And the curse that came upon the earth because of rebellion was broken by Jesus. We haven't fully realized all that that means or all that that will mean but he broke the curse. He's the God who created us. He is the God who saved us. He is the God who loves us. 
He is the God who cares for us. As followers of Jesus, we're not exempt from the pain and suffering of this world. We still get sick. We still die. We still have an experience loss. But as followers of Jesus, we should not and we cannot doubt His love and care for us. All throughout the Gospels, as we saw here in the 13th verse of the 14th chapter, Jesus demonstrates His love and compassion for people. When He saw the crowds gather there who followed Him from the towns, He had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. And he taught them. And then he fed them. We cannot doubt God's love and care for us. He's acquainted with our grief. Even in the midst of the storm, he will give us peace. In the most difficult times in my own life, as I'm sure it is true of many of you. I have felt the presence and the peace and the closeness of God more than at any other time. He's with us. He does not forsake us. It may be that things don't work out the way that we hope at times or pray. Last week in Ryan's message, he alluded to these verses in Philippians, in the fourth chapter, that say, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But as Ryan said, sometimes the prayers are not answered the way that we would hope they were answered. Sometimes we're in the midst of something that we're praying for, deliverance from and we're crying out to God please deliver us and he may deliver us but he may not he may, he may take us through that experience teaching us and strengthening us and causing us to grow through it but even if he doesn't deliver us we can be sure of that that he will strengthen us in the inner person he will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us he will give us His peace. He sees us when we're straining at the oars, trying to navigate through the rough waters of life. He'll not abandon us. He will not leave us on our own. He will come to us, just as He came to the disciples, as we see in verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus goes out to them, walking on the lake. The fourth watch of the night was sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Jesus walks out to the disciples and they think he's a ghost. And Jesus says three things to them. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The first thing, take courage. This is the way that most Bibles translate the word that is used here in the Greek. Take courage. 
the King James and the New King James and related King James versions use the term be of good cheer. But there's one translation, God's Word translation, translation I'm not that familiar with, but found online. And that translation renders this word, calm down. Calm down. Now all of us are familiar, maybe ad nauseum, with the keep calm and carry on, or keep calm and you fill in the blank posters and memes and bumper stickers. There have been many variations of it. In fact, the Center for Disease Control has adopted that very poster and has made a variation on it, which is hanging at my workplace and maybe some of yours which says, keep calm and wash your hands. <laughs> Good advice. Vitally important advice in these days. The origin of this poster, that saying, actually goes back to the onset of World War II in Great Britain. The British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters that were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. Now, that particular poster was one of three. The other two were used extensively. And actually, keep calm and carry on was never officially issued. And it didn't surface again for some 50 years. But the top of that poster, as I guess even some of the renditions of it today have, the top of the poster depicted the crown of King George VI. So the import of that design, in effect, was saying, this is a word from the king. Keep calm and carry on. The disciples in the boat in a near panic because they thought they saw a ghost straining at the oars against the wind and the waves that was that were battering them. Now hear a word from the King of Kings. Calm down. Take courage. This word, take courage, is a Greek word that implies that the courage or boldness comes from an inner confidence that is a result of the Lord infusing His strength by His inworking of faith. Let me repeat that. Take courage means that is this is a courage or boldness that comes from an inner confidence that is a result of the Lord infusing His strength by His inworking of faith. This happens in the face of difficult circumstances. Dire circumstances. You may be familiar with the story of Richard Wormbrand. He was a Romanian pastor, the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. He is the subject of the book and now film, Tortured for Christ. Richard Wormbrand spent 14 years in a communist prison because of his unswerving faith. 
and his refusal to toe the Communist Party line. He made his stand at a gathering of church leaders and Communist Party officials. It was a gathering that had been called by the party. And under duress, because of the order from the Communist Party, minister after minister, pastor after pastor, got up before this large crowd in this auditorium and sang the praises of communism. They didn't mean it, but they were forced to do it. One after another bowed to the pressure. Wormbrand and his wife Sabina sat in the audience listening, distraught over what they were hearing. And finally, Sabina turned to Richard Wormbrand and said, Will you not wash away this shame? Richard said, You know that if I speak now, you will not, you will have no husband. To which she replied, I don't need a coward for a husband. And with that, he got up out of the seat, asked to speak, went down to the podium, and he began by saying, we are gathered here today as the holy priesthood of God to praise him, not the party. And he proceeded to give honor and glory to God yeah. and to harshly criticize the Communist Party. The die was cast. He did it at his own peril. Fourteen years in prison, tortured for Christ. He took courage and took a stand for Jesus and for the kingdom and against evil. Courage comes in many forms for believers. But the Holy Spirit is at the root of it, as is implied by this word. We're battling an unseen enemy in the world in these days. And while we need to continue to be vigilant to protect our families and ourselves, our churches, some in our population some of you, no doubt, medical professionals are being called upon to demonstrate courage in this crisis. Courage in the midst of the storm. And as believers, we need, as we are able and are given the opportunity to set an example in our behavior and our actions. We don't know what lies ahead. And in the days ahead, some of us may be called upon to walk courageously into this storm to help and to comfort others. We'll only find the strength to do that as we take the courage that Jesus brings. The second thing that Jesus says is, it is I. Take courage, it is I. This is significant because when what he says here is trans the word that he uses here is translated somewhat differently in other parts of the gospel, particular John, particularly in the book of John. 
Because he's not only identifying himself as the one who has been their rabbi, teacher, their friend. He's not only identifying himself as the one who, with whom they have walked and served. Because the Greek word here that is used, the Greek words, are ego ami. I am. Throughout the Gospel of John, in several places, we see Jesus using these words, ego ami, to signify who he truly is. The great I am. The I am who met Moses on the mountain. He's declaring himself to be the God who calms the storms, who calms the seas, the one who gives courage in the time of need. He's declaring his sovereignty over the lives of these disciples and over their situation. And he does the same for you and for me. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He created us. He redeemed us. And he has us in the palm of his hand. He's the God who will come to us in these difficult times and declare who he is. The I Am. The I am who encountered Moses and Jacob and Abraham and Isaac and all those who we see in Scripture. The last thing that Jesus says to the disciples is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says that to us in these days and olds. What he says throughout the scriptures to so many others in so many other times when they were in uncharted waters, he says to us. He said it to Abram as he called him to be the father of many nations and the father of faith. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. He says it to Joshua as he called Joshua to be the successor to Moses and to lead the people into the promised land. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. He says it to Gideon when he calls this man to be a judge in Israel and to lead Israel out of bondage from their enemy. He says, peace. Do not be afraid. He said that to King Jehoshaphat, when Israel was facing terrible odds against an enemy, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours but God's. He says it to Mary, the mother of Jesus. When the angel appears, to her to tell her that she would bear the Savior. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Jesus says to his disciples, do not be afraid. Some 20 some odd times in the Gospels, Jesus uses those very words. Do not be afraid. 
In the final portion of our text, we see Peter speaking. Lord, as he sees Jesus walking toward the boat, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. Jesus says, come. And Peter, with faith welling up in him, steps out of the boat and begins to walk across the water just as Jesus did. But then the scripture says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Jesus had just said, do not be afraid. And yet that fear crept in again on Peter. And he began to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus, in his mercy and his love for Peter, reaches down and he pulls him out of the water. And he issues a mild rebuke to Peter says, oh, you of little faith. He didn't say Peter had no faith, but little faith. Why do you doubt? Peter gets back in the boat with Jesus, and together with the other disciples, kneels before Jesus and says, surely you are the Son of God. Jesus came to Peter's rescue because this was not Peter's time. Years later, not many years later, Peter, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, would give up his life as a martyr for the sake of the gospel and the sake of his Savior. God has our lives in his hands. And nothing, nothing will befall us before our time, before he sees fit. David, the great king and psalm writer, said in the 31st Psalm, My times are in your hands. So then, how should we live in these days? Recognizing those very things. God is sovereign. He loves and cares for us. He will meet us. He will walk with us. He will keep us until that day. We can experience His peace, even in the midst of the storm. So really we should live no differently than we live any other day. In any other time, in any other year. With faith. We do well to heed the exhortation that I read from Pastor Greg Laurie in California, Harvest Fellowship. It says, turn your panic into prayer. Turn your worry into worship. Turn your fear into faith. God is in control. If you're listening and watching today and you don't know the Jesus of whom we've spoken, I'd invite you to open your heart. As we shared earlier, this, we live in a fallen world because of sin. But Jesus came 
the very God of gods, the, the second person of the Trinity. He took on human form. He became a man and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. So as we close today, I want to pray. I want to pray for maybe those of you who are tuned in who don't know Him and ask that you consider asking Him into your life. Confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead so that you might be saved. And then I want to pray for all of us collectively as we continue to walk through these uncharted waters, that we will walk in faith, not fear. Let's pray together. If you have never invited Jesus into your heart, I just ask you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I believe that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross at Calvary. And I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day to bring us eternal life. I invite you to come into my heart to cleanse me from my sins, to save me from my sins, to reconcile me to God. I thank you for your sacrifice. Now, Father, as we close this time, I do pray for all of us, Lord. I pray for our nation and for the world. I pray, Father, that you would intervene in the days ahead to bring an end to this virus and the infection that is bringing and the sickness and death. But I also pray, Father, that you would help us as followers of Jesus to stand strong in faith, to be an example to the world through the way that we live our lives in these days and through the words that we speak. Give us opportunity to share the hope that we have and the peace that you alone can bring with those who are walking in fear. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us. And we bless you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much again for joining us. We look forward to continuing this format of sharing with you for as long as we need to. And even in the future, after we get to the point where we can gather together again. Hopefully we'll still have this available. So bless you. Have a wonderful week. Walk in faith, not in fear. Amen.